0: Hey everybody welcome to the lawyer's daughter it has been quite a week in watching the um presidential impeachment trial and regardless of your position on that we saw a lot of behaviors and things going on that i thought were really interesting and it got me thinking a lot about how the truth is often denied those of us who know what's true now, I'm, I'm speaking about this very very personally We know something's true, we lived it, we experienced it, and yet we are told what happened to us is somehow not true, not significant, not important. And it reminded me of the movie Gaslighting, which I'll talk about in just a second. And this whole concept of gaslighting, which is so important to anyone who's been through some sort of trauma or abuse, or my God, just lived with a monster. So the, this is pretty cool because I'm going to do today's podcast on gaslighting. And I'm going to just introduce you to the concept, the big picture. And for anybody, God, who's not old like me, you may not even know what this term means because it came from a movie that's way before my time. I just know about it because my mom loved the idea of gaslighting because my dad basically did a lot of gaslighting to my mom. And so that was a, something I learned and grew up with because it was true. And my mom wanted me to understand what my dad was doing. Anyway, in looking at this information, what you'll hear today is how you can understand it, recognize it, and then start to protect yourself from it. Because it can be really, it's hard to recover from trauma if you're not being validated, in fact, if someone's trying to diminish your pain. So this is really important. It's important to me, but it's important to all of us who believe in the truth and our personal truth. And then I believe next week, I'm going to call her later today, but she already had agreed. I have a very interesting um, student. She's not a student anymore. For her, it looks like her master's thesis. She wrote a interesting, fascinating paper on self gaslighting, which I think happens to women a lot, but not only women. I mean, I've heard men do this too. It happens to any of us who have ever doubted ourselves. And we might all do this a little bit to ourselves because, I don't know, it's kind of an, a weird way to cope. I mean, it's so, I, I, I often think about, you guys see my pictures of me crocheting. I think a lot about humanity and our humanness and how the, some of the things that we do to ourselves, because we're human because we have feelings and emotions and i i loved studying that in school this idea between thoughts feelings and emotions and because of that we often end up kind of messing with our own heads or, or messing with somebody else's head maybe not intentionally maybe intentionally but we often do this kind of self reflective thing that can really mess us up so anyway i won't bore you with my thoughts about jen and how she thinks about people but i do think that this if if you can think about this gaslighting and make it personal i think the it'll it'll resonate the most for you as you listen to this, if you think about yourself and where you have either done this to someone else, maybe intentionally or not, and or you do this to um, you, you had it done to you. And the thing is, I want to point this out for any of you that are parents, this is something we, we can do to our kids without realizing it. And let me tell you the one way that I've watched parents do this to kids that I think is crazy-making, honestly crazy-making. And that's when a kid comes to you with their feelings and they tell you about something that they're feeling and you don't acknowledge that feeling. Instead, you say, no, 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 it's fine. In fact, there was a mom in our group who did this all the time. Like, and I used to just think, oh my God, the therapy bills for this future child because this kid would come and I I do believe the kid was pretty intuitive. I, I actually admired him for his intuitive Um, nature, he just had a good read on things generally. And he'd come tell mom something and she would just say, no, 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 they're doing, she would just create a different reality basically is what would happen. And I'd be like, oh my God, you just took away his biggest gift in life, his intuition, his knowingness that we all have. It's just how well you are able to listen to it, but that she just stripped him of his intuition by not only not validating his feelings and, and being interested in what he was perceiving, it doesn't matter if she perceives it, I don't care what she perceives, it matters that he perceived it. And then she took that perception away and he was left with this false reality she created with it, for him. And I could tell you the story of him later on in life, but I, I, I don't want to because it's personal and it's private, but I do want to tell you that that is something that a lot of parents do to kids and that I know we don't mean it the way it comes across. We mean it to kind of be that way of like, yeah, just roll, like kind of get over it. You're going to need to deal. But that's not what's happening at that moment. When a kid comes to you with feelings, it's really important to acknowledge them because they're theirs. And they and you want them to have that good sense of knowingness, knowing what's right or wrong. Mm-hmm. It's the skills they're going to use later when they're with their gang of teenage friends making trouble. So that's, that's why I think this gaslighting is so important. This concept. So You may drop into this conversation, however it's relevant for you, but this concept is super important. I also want to point out that I have slides today. I'm going to go through slides, so if you want to watch this on YouTube to see the slides, you can because I always do a YouTube version and audio version, but if you are in the car or just listening to this while you work out, first of all, I hate you because I don't have that self-discipline, but if you are listening and um, you're not looking at the slides, that's fine. I will tell you what's on the slides. so you'll have a good sense of what's going on here and you can use this. You may need to come back to this to um, remember some of the pieces. I hope that you find this helpful, but let's dig into this concept of gaslighting and why it's important to victims of trauma and how this can be one of the biggest barriers to you healing is that you are experiencing gaslighting without really understanding what's going on. I love this because I was reading a personal article from a woman who said, the the gist of her story was I prided myself on being that girl who wasn't traumatized by it, which by the way is when you have many people gaslighting you. And again, it's not done always with a bad intention. It's done to make it better, to gloss over, to move on because they don't know what to do with you. I mean, they just, there's lots of reasons people do this but the idea that you wouldn't be traumatized is ridiculous. And that's the beat we all stop and forget to take. We need to take the time to look at what's happened to us, have those feels, and then look for ways to start to let them out. Okay, that's a whole other presentation, but let's get into gaslighting because I think it's just so darn interesting. Um, the, the movie, so in 1944, there was this movie. Charles Boyer, Ingrid Bergman, Joseph Cotton, and for those of us that that know, uh, and a young Angela Lansbury who was, you know, famous for murder she wrote. Anyway, it is available to stream on Amazon Prime if you happen to be a Prime member. It's also available on YouTube hosted by The Smoking Hat. I don't know who that is and I don't know what they've done to it. I'm I'm going to try to watch it on Amazon Prime again today, later on today. But the point is that this movie was really interesting. Again, 1944 and the idea was that there was a a woman of means whose father died and left her an inheritance and a man decides to go love her to get his access to her money. That's that's like the broadest paintbrush of this. But in, in doing so, then the, the story, the gaslight, that the reason we got this term gaslighting, and it came from this film, is that he does it by making her think she's crazy. So take that in because all of us, I don't care who you are, have had that moment. It's like, am I the crazy one? Wait. Wait, I know what's happening right now is not true or real. Am I the crazy one? Well, that's what this whole movie was about. So, go on back to 1944. Uh, the the picture from the movie poster is color, but I believe it's all black and white. So, you're going to need to just prepare, get some popcorn, Coke, and a smile. All right. So, the definition of gaslighting: to gaslight someone. It's a verb. It means it's something you can do. It's an active word, and it means to manipulate someone by psychological means that makes them question their sanity. Okay, get it? To manipulate someone by having them question their own sanity. So this is, it's so easy to do. And it's so easy to miss it because I'm telling you in American culture, at least, we just do this because we hate the feels and we don't wanna deal with the feelings. We don't wanna deal with the, the drama and the slowing down and all those things. So it is really easy to do. And so often someone will tell you that your body's lying to you. Well, that can mess with your head. Like, oh, no, no, your, your knee doesn't hurt. Your stomach doesn't hurt. Oh, no, 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 you're fine. Sound familiar? Um, you can have accusations come from multiple sources. So you start to feel crazy. This is actually a way to actively implement active gaslighting is that the, the gaslighter will pull in other people, but Excuse me, we'll talk about that. And many times the victims of someone who's being gaslit, and again, nobody wakes up in the morning and goes, I know, I'm going to gaslight her." That's not really how it works, except in the movie. What really happens is that the person who does these things to you or people have this as a pattern of behavior. So they may not even understand what they're doing, or they could, and we'll talk about that as well coming up. Um, so it can happen from, it, and also it's really important to note that this can happen from loved ones, law enforcement officers, even strangers. And I'm going to use throughout this story because I already talked about Larry Crompton in an earlier podcast. I'm going to use a little bit of what Larry did to one of our victims um, in his book. He, it's, it, it did, it, it was. I don't, I, I. Oh, it's hard for me to put intention in his hot little hands, but. Since, uh, But I am, because you know why? She's asked him to remove it for over 10 years, and he won't change it. He won't acquiesce. And so he absolutely is actively gaslighting a rape victim. Um, hard. And so you can go back to the Larry Compton episode to know specifically what, but I'll tie in a few things here just so you can understand how it works. So if you're a victim that has had a crime committed against you, and the police are gaslighting you, it's no wonder people are crazy. It's no wonder people don't trust anything. All right, so let's dig in. First, I'm going to, the Sharpay is you. I want you to embrace the Sharpay. For those of you just listening, I have adorable pictures of Sharpays because uh, they just appealed to me today and they're so squishy and adorable. So first of all, I want you just to close your eyes for a minute and, and just wherever you are or how, if you're walking, don't close your eyes or driving, but otherwise just go mentally close your eyes. And I want you to think about a time when you knew something was true and yet you were being told it wasn't. So it could be that, um, it could be something as simple as, like, I know my lunch money was in my bag, and everybody's like, no, it isn't, no, it isn't, but your friends took your lunch money. Like, it could be that simple. And if your kid comes in with that story, just believe your kid, please, because otherwise you're just taking away something that belongs to them. So close your eyes and imagine the times that this might have happened to you. I look up to the rights because I'm imagining too. Um, and th- these are the things that can make you crazy. And so it, you may have had it happen to you this morning, or it may have happened yesterday. I mean, these this happens a lot. Like I said, intention is a separate issue, but gaslighting happens a lot. People who typically love you, or care about you, gaslight you with things like this. So these are phrases people who care about you might say. Ugh, you're going to get over this. It happens to a lot of people. So what have they done? They just took it away from you. I love you, but I don't want this to be all you are. Mm, have they heard that one before? Don't you think you're overreacting? Oh, you're somehow abnormal. You're overreacting. Ugh, you're fine. You'll be okay. Just get over it. Carol Daly told this over and over again about how the men and the dads reacted to the daughters and the wives that were, and girlfriends who were raped by D'Angelo. Um, You'll be fine. You'll get over it. I just will never forget when she said one man told her, we burned your nightgown. That didn't fix it. We, we burned the nightgown you were wearing when he raped you. Like, poof. Oh. Okay, sorry, some of these things might make me scream. Um, Why do you think he or she picked you as their target? This one, this one, I know for a fact, so many victims of trauma think of, why did they pick me? What did I do to make them hurt me? I want you to stop that stinking thinking right now. Mm -mm, Nope. Unless you punch that person in the face, they punched you back, which I consider a fair fight generally, generally, people have not done something to provoke being hurt. I want my old, I want my old you back. Can't you just put this behind you? So often you're told that the other you, as if that's possible and you somehow were hit by a big case of mitosis and you split into two, except mitosis, would I, would argue that that was identical. And in this case, no, the old you and the new you are not the same. And we talk about this a lot in trauma healing, this old you, new you stuff, and that I lost myself and I'm not the person I was. I think for people who are highly religious, they can say, no, this is the person I was meant to be, which is not a, not a horrible way to embrace your life as it affects you, because we are all changed by life. And I struggled really hard when I realized my daughter had been sexually abused. And I thought, oh my God, they changed her. I don't have my kid anymore. Like they broke my kid. That's a terrible thing to think. And that's a terrible message to deliver the kid. So I had to learn to let that go because I actually did think that people got changed and that I wanted my old kid back. Instead, I got it now. Now we went through an awful lot of hard times, but now I have an amazing kid because she's using all of this suffering to do amazing things. And she's tremendously empathetic but that idea of i want my old you back can feel like you you're the current you whatever that is is somehow inadequate insufficient or needs to disappear and that the old you is the superior person don't buy into that crap please and then of course the the lovely much more likely to come from people outside your circle little broader circle and they mean you no harm but they say stuff like cheer up or don't cry pretty girls don't cry or big boys don't cry Okay, you know what I would say to that. There's an F word in there somewhere when I hear that kind of thing. But if we look at a predator, if what a predator might say, I'm trying to change slides, guys, what predators might say is, is even is more hostile. It's going to um, make you think about yourself. It's going to actually be another opportunity to victimize you. So while the loving people say stuff that's harmful and hurts, we know their intention isn't to diminish you or to take away from you, which sometimes can make it harder to take in a weird way, but when you're talking about the predator, the person who's there to harm you, the kind of things they say are intended to scramble your brain. I mean, that's coming with that intention. So look, this is on you. You were asking for it. You just wouldn't stop. I believe that was the OJ defense and why he killed Nicole. It was her fault. She, she asked for it. There you go. That's amazing way to, to sum up what happened to you. Or the um, your crazy one. I was just joking. You take everything I do so seriously. Oh my God, that is such a trope. Like you just overreacted, except you're in pain and it hurt and it was awful. So I don't think you're overreacting. Here's another one where you're hundred percent responsible. You're the one who told me I could, you just forgot. Classic, make you think you were forgetting. You misunderstood. You were not hurt. I would never hurt you. That one's, oh my God, sorry. That's just one that gets me so much. Like, I would never hurt you. And then they hurt again and again. It's the abuse cycle, right? Here's some flowers. I love you. Bash. Why didn't you make what I wanted for dinner? I, I know these are getting cast as gender. I don't want to do it because it happens to men too. Men get told all the time after they've been beat up, you weren't hurt. That was just regular schoolyard fighting. Or, you know, learn how to take a punch. Or, Everybody gets pantsed. I mean, all the degrading things we do to each other as humans, back to what I think about at night while well, I'm crocheting, but it's, it's unbelievable. But to them, blame the victim is worse. Don't be so sensitive. There's nothing wrong with what happened. Well, yeah, there is, because that's not how I like to have sex. That's not how I like to be seen out in public. That's not what I would ever do in any way, shape, or form. This is not aligned with my character. Yeah, that's not being sensitive. That's maintaining your character and holding your values. And so if it feels like there was something that wrong that happened to you, then there was something wrong that happened. And then finally, you liked it. It was your sexual fantasy. And this is ripped from the pages of Larry Crompton's book, where in there he characterized one of the rape victims as experiencing her greatest sexual fantasy during the rape with D'Angelo, which I, I can barely still say that sentence that he wrote. It, it gets me insane. But that's the kind of way that your experience gets taken over by the predator. And then the predator tells the story, in their words, negating you, even worse, harming you, and generally messing with your reality and, gen- and also messing with those people who want to believe you. And they feel like, well, but this other person, like he's a cop, well, how would the cop be wrong and you be right? Like, that doesn't make sense. Well, we're all learning right now in America, authority does not necessarily mean that you have character. So you have to trust that knowingness that we all have inside to know who has character. And if somebody's trying to tell you that something that just happened to you was your sexual fantasy and it was not, you know you got a problem right there. Okay, now that there are some telltale signs of you being gaslit, and for those of you who can't see the slides, I'm looking at a Sharpay's booty right now, um, and that is because this stinks to high heaven. They're, these are the signs that I want you to know about gaslighting. It'll be interesting when our guest comes next time uh, next week to talk about what she's seen and what she found in her study because it's much more contemporary than this history of gaslighting. In that she's looking at um, some of the new learning we've done about women and about men and how we internalize this stuff. But the first step, the first thing a gaslighter knows, and the way, and the first reason this works, and I think I have uh, eleven reasons how they how they go into this. I just want you to recognize them because they won't necessarily all come in a giant envelope and give, be given to you. You're going to have some of these will feel really, really relevant, and some of them you may not have experienced. Good for you. I don't want you to have experienced all of these. But sometimes, um, but some of these you may have. And so that's why I'm going to go through them just so you can have them in your brain and know, no, this isn't how, this isn't how it's supposed to work. And then again, like I said, if you're a parent, if you're responsible for somebody, tune it in for your own brain. If you're doing this to anyone unconsciously, just tune in. Okay. So the first thing that an intentional gaslighter knows is they know confusion weakens people. This is like classic movies all the time make sure you confuse your subject so that they don't, they start to not know what's true. The gaslighter, gaslighters know you like stability and predictability and normalcy. Their goal is to keep you on your on your toes and have you question everything all the time because the ground doesn't feel stable. You're not sure, Nor, it was just that way. I mean, didn't it used to be that way? Am I crazy? That's how it used to, when did it change? That's their goal. It's to make you feel like you're crazy. Your natural tendency as a human is to look to a person you trust, and this can be your gaslighter, to make you feel more stable. Unfortunately, their whole goal is to make you feel unstable so that you increase your dependency on that person to test reality. So you get it there. So they've made you question yourself. Now you need to trust them. It's a huge, huge important step in gaslighting. Um, Sorry, I can just mention a moment from my mom and dad. My dad made all the money. My mom had no power in the relationship, respectively. Um, So he could constantly be dictating her reality, even though she knew what was true, because he had all the power. It's a really important way that gaslighting can take place is that if there's a power differential. So your gaslighter will tell blatant lies. They know, you know, you know it's a lie. They know you, it's a lie. They know it's a lie, but they're telling it to you with a straight face because they wanna set up a precedent. Once they tell you a huge lie, then you can't be sure of anything. And eventually, if they're good, they'll start to get you to believe the lie. And that makes you feel off kilter and unsteady. And that's the key. I can't trust myself. If you're saying that already, you got a problem. We need to help you because you can trust yourself. Uh, we have a cat visitor, so the cat gets in this shot. That's what happened. Um, but a, you can trust yourself and and that's important. So it's that feeling of, and there she, he goes, he's going away. Okay, bye-bye, Odie. Um, and you can trust yourself and that's the most important thing. If you feel like you can't trust yourself, you you need help. We're going to get you some help because that's that's really, really important. They deny, even though you have proof. So this is classic. You know, they said they were going to pick up the kids after school. You know, you heard it. That was the agreement. You're going to get the kids. I'm going to go ahead and run to the store. But then they deny it. They didn't pick up the kids. They say, no, it didn't happen. And now you're like, wait, I swear I knew we were agreed. I know that was the plan. But now you're questioning your reality. And the more they do this, the more you start to feel like, I don't know what's true anymore. But the kids, I, like, I can't trust him with the kids. I can't trust that agreement. Not him, them. I can't trust that person with the kids to pick up the kids because they just, I can't have the kids be in danger. Oh my God, I put my kids, you didn't put your kids in danger. You had an agreement. The gaslighter trying to make you think you're crazy. That's a really pedantic example, but I want you to think about it as you go through. You'll start to see these things make sense if, if this is happening to you or if you're doing it to someone else. Uh, they will use positive reinforcement to confuse you. So this, this gaslighter, the person or entity that's cutting you down, is telling you you don't have value. And, but then all of a sudden, they praise you for something you did. And you're like, but I'm garbage. I'm I keep doing things wrong. Why is this good? Well, it's because then you will let your guard down and go, well, maybe it's not that bad. Maybe I'm not that bad. If they can see that I'm still doing stuff that matters, or I did a good job on that one thing, maybe it's not that bad. Okay. You, and also my predator is not that bad. This is such a common female thing. So I'm going to bring this up in the context of women, but we're always looking for a way out and to decide somebody really didn't mean it and that it's going to be okay. Cause we just are confrontation averse. Well, some of us, not me, but some of us, are conf- I was confrontation averse at my bad job though. When I was being so abused at my job, I, I, I would, this would exactly happen where I'd get praised for stuff and at the same time be told every day what a failure I was. So there's a really good example of how that makes you just not even know where to go. Um, and it's a, this is part of the keeping you off kilter, but what's really important about the thing they praise, and this was absolutely true in my abusive work situation, what they praise is something that probably serves them, like, hmm, dinner was amazing, or oh my God, I am so glad, honey, that you picked out the right flowers for me. You always know how to get me the right flowers. And meanwhile, everything else he does is wrong if you're the gaslighter or if in that kind of situation. So just think those things through. What did you recently get praised for? And did it serve the, the predator? Did it serve the person who's gaslighting you? They wear you down over time. So this is... This is how it really, really works. It's not like somebody can decide tomorrow that they're going to come gaslight you. It is a long game. It doesn't have to be that long of a game depending on your stability, your inherent stability, but it is a long game. And so the idea is that it's done gradually. It's a lie here and then a lie there and then a snide comment and then it starts to ramp. And you can be sucked into it. Um, The experts call this the frog not realizing the water's getting hot kind of situation. And honestly, if you think about it, the minute things start to change and the things that you knew and trusted are no longer trustworthy, you're in the pot, the water's getting hot. So that's why this, this is why I do this so bad because it's, it's so insidious and it creeps up on you and you don't realize when it got away from you and when you lost yourself and how it is that you aren't your best advocate anymore because nothing makes sense anymore. You can't trust people. Your predator has made it. Well, it's going to get here right here. One of the things your predator does, I don't, they, they project and they also cut, they isolate you. So that's the next slide coming up, but they they project. So they tend to accuse you of the bad things that they're doing. So choose a bad behavior and notice that they are constantly accusing you of that. It's typically their bad behavior. So projection is huge. And projection just means what I'm doing, I'm accusing you of doing it. it. Happens all the time with kids. No, you threw the ball. No, sorry, you threw the ball. I saw you throw the ball. But you can try to make me think that your brother threw the ball or that I threw the ball, but I didn't. Kids are amazing to watch for projection. It's a really young, young way of problem solving, but it's absolutely a psychological construct, and it's one you need to watch for. So if somebody keeps accusing you of doing, and and that was the irony in my incredibly abusive job, the person who was coming at me so hard, who was the CEO of the company, was absolutely so guilty of the things he kept telling me I was doing. It was pathological, how many of the things that he accused me of that were the things he was doing. And yet, there's not a darn thing I could do about it. I didn't have power. I had gone to see a lawyer, but I feel like he found out because I was laid off immediately. It's the only way I couldn't sue him Um, actively. At least that's according to my lawyers that I had to be laid off. And I was laid off almost like within a week of when I saw the lawyer. So I really feel like, and I was, I was cagey guys. I was careful. And I still feel like he found out somehow. I didn't tell people I kept it a secret except from my mom and my daughter, but I still feel like it got out and he was classic at projecting. And then they use what is near and dear to you. This is so important. They use the things you care about as ammunition and most frequently it will be your kids. In my case at work, it was my team. Oh my God, when he started coming for my team, but in a really mean way, it, you kick into your mother bear thing, and at the same time, it makes you think you're being a bad manager. And in this case, when they use what's near and dear to you as ammunition, something, well, let's use the example of kids. They know how important your kids are to you. They just know your kids are everything. They know how important the kids are to your identity. So it's tied together. And so they go in, and they, that's the first thing they attack, is they tell you that you are a bad manager parent, a bad mother, a bad father, a bad manager, a bad, you name it, something where you're responsible for others and you actually are doing that honorably and with deep character and deep integrity to be told you're doing a bad job. Think about somebody telling you you're doing a bad job with your kids. Ouch. Nobody's perfect. My God, I don't know how everybody, anybody's parenting right now. It is hard just to support one another. So you can see how vulnerable you would be if that is your most important, important thing in life. Uh, it's something you care about very, very much. So watch how they're using the things that you care about as ammunition to undermine you. And then their actions don't match their words. It's funny, y'all know I watch Rachel Mano because, you know, I'm a liberal elite or whatever. Uh, I'm not. I'm super moderate, but I do care about human rights and civil rights. But I also really like Rachel because she's super smart and she uses good words. But she says the thing I've always said, and I, I learned this from behavioral interviewing. God, decades ago, which is a scary thing to say, but the idea of a behavioral interview is that past behavior predicts future behavior. So in a behavioral interview, you ask a candidate about a time that they did a thing that you care about. So tell me about a time you placed a press release and it got news coverage. That's the question. If they've done it before, it's super easy to answer that question. You just pull out an example of when you've done it and you explain how you did it. And then it's funny because as you tell that story, the more, I, the more things come back and it's a very authentic way to find out someone's uh, history and and work experience. It's a a great authentic way to do it because their past behavior, I've done it, I was successful at it, predicts future behavior. Yeah, I'm gonna do it well in the future. This is the same thing is that actions match words. So it's the same idea. When somebody keeps telling you, oh no, I've done tons of press releases, but they can't show you that they have any actions that match, their actions do not match their words. So this happens a lot, a lot with gaslighters. They'll tell you they care about something, and then they don't do it. Always watch what they do, not what they say. It's so important. It's so it's even important just in raising kids. If you have a kid that you keep asking to clean up their room, and their cl- room has never been cleaned up, I think you might be the one with the problem, <laughs> because you're chasing the wrong rabbit. That's just not something your kid has demonstrated they're going to do. You may think you could beat it into them, change them, whatever. If you choose to go down that path, that's your parenting choice. I, on the other hand, would try to find a way to make it more important to them and and change their thinking about it rather than just keep having a war of wills. I'm Not a big one for power struggles in that way. But the idea is when your kid's behavior tells you what they're going to do, believe them because they can say, mom, I will, I will, I will, but it's not, you watch their behavior. And you can then come up with some creative parenting. And the first thing I would tell you to do is ask them how to solve the problem. You don't always have to solve the problem. Kids are amazing. Sorry, I'm getting off on a whole tangent here, but the kids are amazing. And if you ask them how they wanna solve the problem. So, so, uh, Johnny, I can't believe I just picked that name. So Johnny, I notice your room's not clean. I value a clean room. It, I don't know if you value a clean room. Can you tell me if you value a clean room? Tell me how you wanna handle this it's interesting. Then you have a discussion now and now you're, you're respecting that person in the conversation. You're respecting that they're an individual with different preferences than you. And you may have to agree on a few things like dirty dishes are never going to stay. Like we're just going to agree. A few things are like my, my rule. Like they just have to be a rule. But on the other hand, if you don't have to have all your clothes clean all the time, well you have to on Saturdays because that's laundry day. Like you can just work with them. Anyway, my point is when actions don't match words, you need to pay attention, and that's often what a gaslighter will do. It is a it's a very big important form of communication that we all tend to gloss over because we're going too fast. And then, of course, this is the idea of they tell you or other or they tell and they tell others that you're crazy. So this is the idea of they start to um, isolate you. They're starting to make your reference. Your references, those people beyond the gaslighter, the people you trust—your mom, your friends, your girlfriends—they start to. T- the, the the perpetrator might start to tell those people that you're crazy, and now they're creating momentum around this story that's absolutely untrue, and it starts to make you look crazier because now you're fighting the propaganda. Right? You're not even fighting you're caught up in a fight with propaganda, which does make you look insane. The minute you start to swat at flies that you think are in the room, you look crazy. So it's really important that you pay attention to this and see if they're telling you or others that you're crazy because people don't wake up. No, we're all crazy. I'm just going to tell you right now, we're all crazy. We all got stuff. So you're not going to wake up tomorrow and be crazy. If somebody's been chipping away at you and starting to make you crazy, you're going to know it and you need to get help. If you're at this stage and you feel like everybody's turned against you, I want you to get help. And then this is the idea of the, the, they align people against you. So, and this was happening, And I can speak to this in my work situation. Because my CEO was so actively targeting me, we would go into executive staff meetings and he would target me in public. I was the only woman in the room, it was all men. And so, had it, it, the dynamic was already pretty off, pretty uh, frustrating for me because everybody had to man- I remember one meeting where everybody was saying, I think what Jen means, I think what Jen means. And I'm like, literally right here, guys, did not leave the room. I said sentence. I said what I meant. Did not need all of you guys mansplaining it for me. But that's how it can start to t- turn on you is that you feel like, oh, my God, I'm the only sane person here, which, by the way, is a weird feeling when you think you're the only sane person in the room. Because that starts to make you feel crazy too. So this is really important that you understand. A gaslighter is a constant liar. And the whole goal is to make you feel like you don't know who you can trust. Isolation gives them control. There you go. See the whole slide? I bent over so you can see the whole slide. But isolation gives them the control. So pay attention for that. It is If you feel like you're the only sane person in the room, you're going to need help. You're just going to need help. Okay. And then finally, they tell you everyone is a liar. Your family, the media, you can't trust anyone. Nothing can be trusted. It's a way to manipulate you. And it makes them then you solely dependent on them as the one source of truth. Think about that. You've been isolated. People think you're crazy. You think you're crazy. You don't know how to trust your own behaviors. What the predator is saying versus what they're doing is it? consistent. And everyone else is lying to you. That's what the predator has told you. Everyone else is lying to you, but me. Do you get how powerful that is? Now you have become solely dependent on that soul for your survival. And they do not, do not have your best interests at heart. Okay. This stuff gets me crazy. So, all right, let's pull out. Let's pull out. Let's pull out of this. So those are all the ways you can tell if you're being gaslit. But there are some also some things you should know that are just have to do with the uh, mental health science of this. The National Domestic Violence Hotline, by the way, for anybody who doesn't know, you can go on to uh, it's 800-799-SAFE If you need to call someone just to talk about being gaslit, because you can absolutely call them and talk if that's your first phone call. You can go to Chris's group and talk. You can come to my Facebook and talk, but I want you, but I'm going to tell you how to be careful in a minute. So I want you to know that the National Domestic Violence Hotline is a safe place, but again, you're going to still need to protect yourself if you're in real trouble. So gaslighting happens because someone wants to gain control over someone else, but it's a behavior someone learns by watching others. So they've, co- they've been groomed by someone else. This is not something that m- many people just know how to do. Someone's taught them how to do it. And they have a sense of entitlement or feeling that they are worthy of having that much control over you. And they also may believe that their feelings or their opinions matter the most. So this is someone And we'll see in the next slide, who's a little delusional about their worth and value in the world, such that it is greater than others. Now, when it becomes, uh, when they become neurotic or pathological, uh, these these skills, these skills, this gaslighting skills can be, can be tied into narcissistic personality disorder. Now, if you haven't gone to learn about narcissistic personality disorder, it's fascinating and it has all kinds of nuances and, um, uh, you know, and it, it exists on a spectrum just like everything else. And, you know, you could be very narcissistic or not so much. You could be neurotic or pathological. You can have other uh, mental health Things that go with it, like a hysterical personality disorder, you could have just a borderline personality disorder that goes with your narcissism. Narcissism, I always think of narcissism as like the um, the spice that goes on top of the hot soup that is you. So like, oh, here's a here's a bowl of tomato soup, but I'm just going to add a little narcissism on top to make it completely crazy. Good chances that the person who that soup is already some kinds of crazy, and that the narcissism is how they express it. So. It's more than being self-centered or vain. This is someone who really lacks empathy. So being a sociopath is often very common with narcissism because they just don't have empathy. So they don't, they don't see you suffering. This is really important because I think it's the difference between that mom who makes a mistake and gaslights their kid because they're trying to get their kid to just roll and get on with it versus a, narciss- a gaslighter who's acting with intention. When they're acting with intention, they just don't care how other people feel. It's not, they're not capable of it. They don't, they don't, how you feel, other than they get off on having control over you, but that's again about them. So any sentences you say about your gaslighter, if you find that it starts to become about them, eh, you're on to something, because every time it ends up being about them. In fact, you could argue the mom by not taking the time to listen to their kid. It was about her. She wanted to get back to her discussion with the other moms, right? That's not cool. You can, if, if I thought, and I know she didn't, but if I thought she was going to discuss this later with her child, that'd be different. And I might say something like, honey, I think you might be right, but I want to talk to you about this a little later because I'm busy right now, but I think you might be onto something. Look at how validating that is. And you moved on. And you have an opportunity to talk with your kid later. Like, that's amazing. You just moved the thing on. You validated who they are as a person. Like, your your intuition's working, babe. I agree. But I don't have time to talk about it right now. But we're going to talk about it. And then, as the parent, you need to take the note that you need to talk about it later. You do need to follow up. Remember, what you say and what you do are two important things. And you following up and doing it matters. That's how your kid will know you're trustworthy and can let things go then sooner, knowing you'll get back to it. Okay. The other thing is that this narcissist might need and that your gaslighter may district, may um, show to you, this the side of them, they may show us this constant need for admir- admiration and attention. Look, they have you sucking up to them because you can't breathe without knowing what they're telling you to do. They wanna be seen as somebody in control. They wanna see that this so speaks to what was going on at my bad job. Like this person just, he was so insecure he actually said he'd never been a CEO before. And he actually said right at the beginning of us starting to all work together, this team kind of, it was a startup. This is what happens. They bring in this team we bring in our friends. We all kind of figure out what's going on and we triage. And I remember that we were talking and he said, I need to fire somebody right away or else I'm not going to look like a strong leader. And I thought, um, was that in Harvard Business Review? Because I don't think that's a thing. Firing someone so you don't look like a, so you look like a strong, that what a what a garbage thing to say. And it was so random, like it was about firing someone. Like that was actually his thought. Not, I'm gonna come in and assess everything. You know, you start something new, you kind of always do this audit and this assessment and figure out where you are, where the holes are, what could be repaired, what's easy to fix, what's hard to fix, all those kind of things. No, 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 we're gonna fire somebody soon. And he did, by the way. And I don't remember how it went down, but he did. Because I'm just so appalled that that was, that's what he thought leadership was was to fire someone. And then of course, and this is so true of my guy, my, my gaslighter, I believe they're, they're special or better than everyone else. And this even tied in in this, in my case, it even tied into his religion. He actually thought he was anointed by God to do some of the things he was doing. So the delusion can run deep is what I'm saying. Okay. If any of these things are happening, by the way, if if it's if you really are convinced you're dealing with a narcissist, you may need to leave and you're going to need to figure that out. It's not easy to do when you're already the person who's beat down. So there are tools and things where you can get help with this, but I just want to bring it up that it might be so bad for your own survival and sanity that you might need to leave. Okay. So, so what do we do? You got to do some self-care um, we talk, Chris and I for redding and I talk about this all the time this idea of I, I write she paints sheds. Chris, if you're laughing right now because you know that's true when you can go see the pictures about her in her group. But she paints sheds. She does uh, she cooks oh my god she cooks she she um, is very good at personal at networking and and I hate being on the phone but she's so good at it and she likes to talk and so how you so my point is it's not to talk about Chris. My point is to tell you that whatever Um, your way of expressing yourself is, although writing down is really important for legal reasons, you need to start to get this stuff put in writing because it is going to become your source of sanity. And it's incredibly important. So the reason that you're going to write is that you may need, well, there's a good example. uh, We just saw it in government is that contemporaneous notes. So something bad just happened. If you can go away and send an email to a friend, and I'm going to tell you specifically why an email is so important. An email has been upheld in courts because it is time-stamped and it is contemporaneous, meaning it happened, you're documenting something that just happened and it is, um, what is, it's, it's dated, it's documented. Anyway, and it's, and you're the author. I know emails could be fake. That takes a lot of work. None of us have time for that and that would require, and I do think that If they had to through forensics, they could find out that an email has been um, edited. But at this point, I'm going to tell you that if something bad happens, no matter where you are, if you can get on your phone and type an email to someone who you trust, do it. But I have a caveat in a minute about that. I, I have a caveat about your safety. So I want you to know that's your ultimate goal, but you may have to go do it where you literally go see your friend and do it on their phone to send to them. And I'll tell you why, just a second. Anyway, my point is self-care and starting to stop the insanity. The way to pop the gaslighting balloon is to start to write things down, especially the things that you know are true. Then I want you, then these are recommendations that come from a medical site on how to um, attack gaslighting because it can affect your mental health. I mean, it can make you really crazy. I'm, pretty convinced that this work situation, I've never had anyone this bad. I've been through bad stuff before. I have even had a, a, a boss punch me, like seriously punch me. And yet the gaslighting that I experienced at my last job was so much worse. I don't know, something about like, I don't know, what is it? Taking a punch, you can kind of brush that off. You can get over it. But when you're being told all the time and it's public and everybody sees it, the punch happened in very private, happened in a hotel room, didn't see it coming, didn't know. That thing was just bad. And it got handled, by the way, really appropriately by the company. In this case, there was a, the company supported it by hook or by crook because the person in charge had all the power. I didn't, I was fighting the man. Like I was up against the CEO and it was just Mono a mono fighting. So it really can affect your mental health. It absolutely knocked me over. It just did. And then to get laid off on top of it when I really was doing a good job, crazy making. So this idea that you need to, you need to watch your mental health. This is why I want to talk about this today, because I think it creeps into any of us who have been victimized. It's really rough. So gathering evidence is important because it will help you know you're not imagining things. Now, Gathering evidence is, you know, photography, writing. It could be. It can be really useful to have this ev- evidence later if you have to pursue legal action. So for many women, in, um, this could be divorce or breakup or child custody. It could be trying to k- retain um, ownership of your home or your belongings. It can get bad, guys. You can really, gaslighters can work very hard to take away the things you care about. So starting to document and having that dated, contemporaneous, and that's so important. It's a great word, hard to say. Contemporaneous means it just happened, and I'm going to write down what just happened. It's honestly, as a lawyer's daughter, my dad taught me this from the beginning of time. I always have kept contemporaneous notes on things that were bad. I used to keep, I I still kind of do, but not quite as bad, but I used to keep a calendar every year, a very annotated calendar, because they asked me where I was during the murder, right? So I thought, I need to always be accountable for where I've been. And I would keep them with my tax records so I could know when they said seven years ago on the night of the 27th, which they always do on TV. And I just laugh going, who knows? Did they have kids? Because if you had kids, you don't know where you were seven years ago. I mean, children wipe out our memories like nothing I have ever seen. So I used to keep calendars. This is the same idea. You want contemporaneous notes of what's been happening. They suggest a secret diary. Now, this is it's so important that you keep it secret. But a secret diary lets you track the events over time. You're going to start to build, it it will potentially horrify you if this is really happening aggressively to you. You're going to start to build out what's happening on date and time and frequency. And you're going to be like, oh my God, I didn't realize how big this was. I didn't understand how derailed I've become. So that's why this diary and the patterns, the, the visual patterns of what's going on are really important to you. You want to talk to someone you trust, a family member, a friend, or a counselor. You can call the Domestic Abuse Hotline as well. You can call it Suicide Prevention Hotline. Whoever can help, whoever you feel is safest, and that's really the most important part right now. If your gaslighters worked really hard to even include your parents or your siblings or people you've trusted, your bestie, uh, you might have to go to a safe third party. And of course, a therapist is always good, and a good pragmatic therapist will help you pull this evidence together and pull the story together and help you identify ways to get out. There are also women's groups that can help you do this. There are men's groups that can help you do this. So just you're going to need to talk to somebody because the point is you need a touchstone of sanity. That's what you need, a touchstone of sanity. So think of who that could be and that the, the predator could never get to that touchstone. It's like all yours, completely safe. And then, of course, take pictures. Pictures if you get hurt. Pictures of crazy making things. Pictures of crazy notes. Anything you're you're a detective at this point. This is not just to prove that person is wrong. That's what's so important here. This is to prove that you're not wrong, that you're sane. that what's happening to you is crazy. So pictures are really important to keep you sane. Think of it that way. Um, and then, of course, it helps you fact check. It helps you check memories, all those things. Like, do you remember back at do-do-do Bam Bam's birthday? And you threw the cake at me and you're like, that never happened. Oh, well, you pick up the pictures of Bam Bam's birthday. And look, there's no pictures of cake being thrown. They could try to argue you didn't take a picture of it. But everyone knows you can tell if the cake's been thrown. There'll be stuff on the walls. There'll be stuff somewhere. Like, there will. everybody will remember it. it didn't happen. But you think it did because your person keeps telling you. So take pictures. And then they recommend... Uh, voice memos, um, talking into a cell phone. But again, I'm gonna. Uh, there's, there's a couple things there. You might want to record your perpetrator. Make sure you're in a state where you're allowed to record two people in a conversation. California cannot. Um, I believe in Georgia, you can. A one party can record without permission. So you're looking for the one party record um, rule. If you have that or not, it's okay for one party to record. And then you also can just record yourself, which is not a bad thing to do. Most of our phones now have. Um, you know, you can get in here and you can do text, to, uh, speech to text, where you could go press the little microphone and just talk, just get it out. But then I'm going to tell you, I want you to be careful. And that's this next slide, is that anything you keep in evidence, and I hate for it to sound like that, but it's really what you're doing, it's, it's evidence of the bad behavior being done by the perpetrator, but it's also evidence of your sanity. So I want you to embrace both when you think about this. You're not trying to get somebody because if you're feeling like a victim, that's going to feel like what you're doing because you already feel bad. But if in this case, if you're trying to prove you're not crazy, it's another great way to gather the evidence. But you do not want your gaslighter or his or her supporters to find what you're doing. So you might have to hide it. You might have to buy a second phone or a cheap recorder and keep that hidden. You might have to keep devices locked away. You might need to put a passcode on your phone. Sometimes if you're in a domestic abuse situation, this can get you punched in the face. So you're going to need to use the other ways to to get around these barriers. Like I wouldn't recommend a passcode if your spouse or your person is looking at your text and that's something that they do to control you, don't go down that road. You're gonna definitely need to go offline. You're gonna need a special place. Um, You wanna create, the last thing that they really recommend is make sure you create a safety plan. So this is some way that you can protect yourself and anybody else you're responsible for protecting, that you have a safe place to go if you need it. This is if things get really, really bad, but I just want you to keep this in your mind in case you are in a bad situation. Create a safe place. Know how to escape. Know how to contact people that you can call for help. So a lot of times, I'm notorious for this. My whole life is in this darn phone. If I had to leave, if, if I was in a fight with somebody who smashed my phone, I could get it off iTunes or Outlook, but I'd need a computer. I don't know my friend's numbers, because I press a button on their name now. So you might have to have some phone numbers written down in a place, in your car, at your friend's house, whatever, but you might need to have some precious phone numbers written down somewhere, and you might need to memorize one as the one you call when you really, really need help. And then, of course, self-care activities that help you cope, and you need to eventually decide if you are going to stay or go. If you can, like in my case, I got laid off, but I was ready to go anyway. I knew I had to go. I knew what was happening to me was dangerous. I knew it was destroying me on the inside. I knew that everything that happened was happening was like not real, like not based on reality, but then it's a job, right? So you got to find another job. So my plan had been to find another job, do the lawsuit and then find another job. But of course I was laid off and D'Angelo was arrested. So. The universe had other plans for me, but I it, it did get away from the bad guy. The problem is I still wish I fought harder, but that's, you know, whatever. We all have those. So you might need a plan. Think about it. Reach out if you do. And then finally, for everyone who's an ally, because there's two sides to being gaslit, right? There's There's somebody watching somebody get gaslit and not really understand what's going on or why they're falling apart. But if you were their friend, if you're the ally, if you detect something is wrong, there's a few little things you can do to help provide that support. The first is to be interested. They may be terrified to speak to you. So you might have to start off with just how can I help you and acknowledging the situation. I see something going on. I'm not sure what's going on. I'm worried about you, but I want you to know I'm here for you i'm only here for you i don't buy into any other i'm i'm your only person i did actually have one of those people at work who, who knew what was going on and it has saved my sanity that woman uh i uh, call her new heidi new heidi saved my sanity because she knew what she could see everything that was happening and she goes you're not crazy and every day she me, I'm not crazy but it, without her i mean it was it was so vital um you want to you want to give hugs and provide support so Again, you're imagining this gaslit person feels completely crazy, inadequate, like a failure. Everything they do is wrong. So that idea of I support you and giving them hugs, just touch, however they're comfortable with it. I don't want you to go touch people that don't want to be touched. But if the touch is healing to that person, that might just be enough. It's just be present with them and provide them that safe comfort. Create the space. So God, if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you've had something happen to you that... that. Or someone you love. So the idea of creating the space for I'm listening is huge. My hands even go into it. Like I create this kind of um, open palms, like create the space, creating the space for your kid, create the space for your friends. You create that space for conversation to happen. We move fast and we don't often create the space. So that's something, a great gift you can give with I'm listening. And then don't rush. This gaslighter has been working on them for a long time unraveling this hairball is going to take some time. Hopefully they've taken some evidence, they've started to gather the facts, but you might have to be the one to tap them with that. They might be so spun out at this point that they don't even know how to ground themselves. So think of yourself as the grounder. You are the rock they can lead on. lean on. You are that solid foundation that isn't being manipulated, who can see clearly and can give them objective, sane support. So don't rush, but be that. Be ready for them when they're ready. And then don't judge. As you can see, that's what all the gaslighter's done to them is judge everything they've done. So you're not judging at all. You're just listening. And remember, listening doesn't mean agreeing. Listening is just listening. It will deeper your understanding. It will deeper your relationship. But it also gives that person a chance to say some things that um, there's, a, there's an old saying that it takes seven thoughts in a row to come up with an original thought. This is so American because we go so fast, but we usually don't think about things unless we're crocheting at night thinking about the human condition. We usually don't think about things very deeply. So try the seven thoughts thing. I used to, I, I, I don't know if I can do it right now on camera, but I used to do it because I had way too many thoughts about eggs, but you go, an egg is white. An egg contains a yolk and uh, the egg white. An egg makes a chicken and egg can break really easily. Um, an egg can float if it's bad. and the seventh, uh, the egg, an egg, um, can be hard boiled. And now, see, I'm at seven. Now it's harder, right? Because at the seventh thought, you're like, okay. And an egg can make a really fun weapon. Okay, we never. I mean, we know eggs can be weapons, but it's fun how the seventh thought becomes much more because you've gotten the stupid thoughts out of the way, the regular thoughts. That's the idea of not judging. Let them say all the things because if you let them talk enough and if they can say those things without judgment, you might actually get to the heart of the matter. It may take a while to get to the heart of the matter. It's taken a long time to get them this, this turned round. So just be slow and don't judge. And then finally acknowledge the struggle. I think that is probably the thing that all of us miss the most. And when we get it, it makes us feel the most heard, which is that I know what you're going through is hard. And I, 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 I'm I, here for you, whatever you need, but I know this is hard, just that. Because again, very American culture, we're supposed to drink our gin and tonic and just suck it up. No, sometimes it's really hard. And, and again, you could imagine with the kid, like, you know, that's hard when they treat you like that. You're not crazy. They did treat you badly. I don't want to talk about it right now, because you're right, but, it, but you're right, it happened. And let's talk about that tonight. And maybe some things you could do next time that happens. Look how that shift happened. That's just a huge shift. So you're acknowledging the struggle, but you're shifting it into, um, you know, maybe we need to talk about it more. Maybe I'll just write it down right now and keep track of it and we'll come back to it. I don't know, but you know that the person going through the pain is not gonna be the best record keeper and is not gonna necessarily remember to come back to it. That's the responsibility you take as being the support person. And it's a good thing, and we love you. Being the support person is everything, because that's—I uh, mean, that's that's how we—that's how that's how you do it. That's that's the beauty of humanity, right? Is we help one another. So, so that's the end of today's about gaslighting. I wanted to give you an idea of what it is, how to protect yourself, some examples of how it happens. I want you to be aware of it because it can really be something that's happening that can undermine you, and you don't even understand why you don't feel very strong or why you're having a hard time. And it sometimes comes from people you least expect it coming from. And then next week, when I have the interview with um, Paige, I will, um, I'm so excited to talk to her. When we talk to Paige, we'll learn more about how we do this to ourselves. And I think that's really the other part of this, the the flip side of this, right? Somebody trying to hurt you is one thing, but self-harm, it's so classic among victims. It's so classic among those people that go through trauma. And if we can help one another not do that self-harm, that's huge. Thank you for listening to The Lawyer's Daughter. I will see you next time. Venture a highway in the sunshine, Where the days are longer, the nights are stronger